Welcome to the Action Research Podcast, Voices from the Field. Voices from the Field is a special segment that features a deep dive into current and ongoing action research projects. Action research is a set of common beliefs or understandings that inform the way researchers make sense of information and act on it. Action research is driven by social change, collaboration, and action self-reflection. This series aims to shed light on what action research looks like in the field. For a more comprehensive overview of action research, check out episodes one through three of the AR pod linked in the notes. My name is Joe Levitan, and I'll be reflecting with Adam on his project, which is called Cape Origines. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the second episode of the Action Research Podcast, Voices from the Field series. I'm Adam Stieglitz, co-host of the Action Research Podcast. In this series, our goal is to build off all of the theory we have been talking about in previous episodes and demonstrate what action research actually looks like in the field. To do so, our goal is to capture and share the voices of key actors involved in a new project I am working on down here in Peru called Café Origenes. If you haven't done so already, check out episode one, where Aaron Ebner, the executive director of the Andean Alliance for Sustainable Development, introduces this project. In this episode, we wanted to bring you in on a casual chat that Joe and I had in person about the project. Joe and I have spoken about this project in the past, but this was the first time we really spoke about it from an action research lens, and we wanted to bring you, our audience, in on that discussion. We hope you enjoy it. Yeah, voices from the field. It's up, it's out. It's up, it's out. I think we did a good job of like kind of introducing Cafe Arican as in the project. Hopefully it serves as a model for some of our listeners and some of the faculty that are practicing research in the field. All right, so what do you think about episode two? So we introduced people to just the general idea of Cafe Origenes, and we introduced people to this podcast format, which I think is cool. One of the things that I think we're going to have to do for episode two is to start to figure out how we narrate like the meta-analysis and also tell people about Cafe Origenes. I mean, one of the things I think we need to do is just, just the two of us, just like, what are you nervous about? Like, what is preoccupying you about Cafe Origenes? What are you most excited about? This is interpersonal reflexivity. But yeah, I think we just start. Yeah, let's do it. I mean, I'm, I'm excited to kind of dive into that. First things first. So like, you know, you started Cafe Origenes during the pandemic, right? Yes. How did that happen? Yeah, well, we've kind of been dabbling, working in the jungle for a while. And after having done that, we ended up getting some funding as an organization to support uh, commercialization workshops and helping farmers get their products to market. And in doing so, we brought in farmers that we already work with out in Juarez in the high altitude region, you know, vegetable farmers, strawberry farmers, and flower farmers. Um, but it was also an opportunity to bring in these coffee farmers. We recently went out there to do some research we realized they were dealing with all sorts of challenges, um, not just agriculturally and from a production standpoint, but also kind of getting taken advantage of in the market. So we invited them to this mm-hmm. commercialization workshop. We packed a car full. People dedicated three days coming up here, staying in Calca. They were the best participants in the workshops, really active, participating in all the activities. And, you know, in this particular region, there's not a lot of support, NGO support, government support. So they were really, really grateful mm-hmm. to be there and have the opportunity to just kind of tell people the challenges they were facing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one thing led to another. And when we were talking about ways that we could get involved in everything agriculturally, but also from a commercialization standpoint, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of dove right in the deep end. Yeah. How are they getting taken advantage of? Like, what was going on? It largely had to do with the price mm-hmm. of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the coffee market is surging. 
Um, the price of coffee, it's a, it's a commodity, but specialty grade coffee, which is what, what's grown up in these higher altitude jungle regions, calls for a higher price because it's higher quality. And, you know, these farmers, one, didn't really understand the market. They didn't really understand how quality their product really was or what it was worth. And in practice, you know, because the road doesn't reach the community, mm -hmm. they have to bring their coffee on the back of a mule about two hours to like the point of sale where these comerciantes or like kind of random coffee buyers mm -hmm. show up and they offer the farmers a price and they really have no choice but to accept it because there's a cost associated with bringing that coffee all the way to the point of sale on the back of the mule mm -hmm. to bring it back mm -hmm. And then yeah, back again, right? They're right, just costing so. that money. So right. they're not going to do that. They're just going to get rid of what they can. Right. And, you know, it leads to earning wages like way, way, way below mm -hmm. what's what's fair. Mm -hmm. um, and certainly puts them in that technical ca category of like extreme poverty, mm -hmm. according to like the United Nations. Mm -hmm. We recognize that injustice and decided to insert ourselves we didn't have any experience selling coffee, that's mm -hmm. for sure, or buying coffee. So there's a pretty big learning curve for us there. But we did it, and mm -hmm. we're continuing to explore what that looks like. So buying always at an above market, market price, price yeah. and they're pumped about it. Mm -hmm. And while I'm kind of talking about it to go into the weeds a little bit more, you know, they're also, it's not so much of an injustice, but they're dealing with real challenges agriculturally, mm -hmm. dealing with pests and plagues and mm -hmm. coffee disease that's diminishing their production mm -hmm. and quality. Mm -hmm. And that's really our organization's expertise, helping them improve their soil quality, to combat um, coffee disease, grow more coffee, mm -hmm. grow better coffee. And then if they want us to help them sell it, we'll do that. But if, you know, it's their project. If they right. they can sell, do whatever they want with their coffee. But that's right. another part of it, right? Yeah. It's the little agricultural side. Yeah. Well, so it sounds like, I mean, just to like do the meta-analysis, it sounds like, so you had this experience where you build a relationship with some folks, you know, because you were doing something, you already had some relationships, you were known. And so these folks came down to do this work. And so you had an experience. So you did like action and then you had a reflection, right? So you did the look, think, act cycle in a little small way. And then you identified a problem. And this problem, you know, wasn't necessarily in your wheelhouse in terms of ex expertise, but you also recognized that you had the capability, you had the power, and you had the opportunity and the connections to address a problem that was identified by the folks who came down to this workshop from, from who they're coffee farmers. You know, you, this is really action research and action, right? You know, some experience, relationship building, identifying a problem, investigating that problem, figuring out a way to address that problem. And now, you know, you're doing this action. And you're going to be reflecting along the, the whole thing. And like you said, your expertise is particularly in agriculture. This is like the economic side, but it also relates to and connects to um, the agriculture. So you're working with folks too, because you notice multiple needs. Like you're not just doing one because these folks are being taken advantage of. People are just buying this really high quality coffee and probably selling it for you know, 2,000, 3,000% on what they paid for it. And now you're like, that's not fair. Like the people who are actually doing all the work aren't getting any money. Um, so let's do something about that. And you're also making it like a multi-pronged approach. So you're also trying to help to make sure that the coffee's better and everything else. But also it's got to be a pretty big learning curve for you too. You know, like you said, you are doing action research in the way that it's meant to be done. Identifying a problem, figuring out how to address it, reflecting and improving. What's it been like to like become a coffee baron? <laughs> well, we're not quite there yet. There's a lot of similar processes between the way that we've traditionally worked with farmers here in the high altitude region to grow vegetables mm -hmm. or diversify what they're growing and coffee. Mm -hmm. From a process standpoint, it's pretty similar. But 
as it relates to the product, you know, the difference between helping farmers sell vegetables or strawberries versus coffee, two very divergent concepts. Who do you know that doesn't drink coffee? Mm -hmm. You know, I I mean, I like vegetables. I love coffee. (laughs) So, um, but it's a, it's a massive international, you know, globally traded Mm -hmm. commodity. And, um, it's been great learning about it. And, um, yeah, you know, the supply chain, it's complicated. Exporters, importers, roasters, understanding what, you know, specialty coffee is, different varieties, different ways that it's processed and grown, harvested, the different scoring methods. There's a scale. You know, once coffee gets like an 86 or an 87 on the cupping score, it's in higher demand. It requires a higher price. And we're learning all about that because we want to help our farmers get to that level, you know, and get involved with like the Copa de Excelencia, you know, and get their coffee, you know, in a competition where they could attract the attention of real serious coffee buyers. And in in the same vein, something I want to touch on is taking it back a step to our model has to do with kind of just addressing the reality of financing, the sort of economic side of this project, because we're framing this as a social enterprise. Right. Meaning, like, well, yes, we're buying and selling coffee for these farmers. The idea is that, you know, the revenue that we generate from that project allows us to reinvest in more farmers. And that's our plan for how we're going to scale the project up and out and hopefully reach more farmers and further have access to more coffee Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. The reason I just wanted to pull that out is because, like, I think action research, it's so idealistic in so many ways. Mm -hmm. But we need to talk more about, like, the reality of, like, the financing that comes with projects Mm -hmm. and addressing challenges. You know, I'm seeing it in my own research with my dissertation. You know, across the river here, we're looking at water scarcity issues and examining challenges with the canal. But ultimately, you can't have that conversation without talking about how are you going to restructure a whole canal system, right? Like, what's the budget that comes with that? Right. It's a tough question, and it affects the way community members look at the project, you know. So that's one of the lessons that we learned moving from, like, our traditional processes with vegetable farmers as coffee farmers is we're being very upfront and explicit about this model. We're forming a cooperativa, mm-hmm. a co-op, yeah. you know, that gives the farmers rights and decision-making power and ownership of the project and they understand this model right conversely they might feel as though they're getting taken advantage of we there's competitors in this region you know that's talked till they're blue in the face about all this social good that they're doing meanwhile really what they're doing is bringing them like upon the tone right you know once a year mm-hmm. buying all their coffee selling it and getting right. pretty getting... pretty rich off of it yeah and um you know for us we want the more we can invest in the farmers the better so right uh, not to diverge too much, but I did want to pull that out since we're kind of talking right. about well, the model. Right. Well, and I think that that's important because that's the complicated stuff. I think one of the challenges of action research is you get into the like the messiness. And we talked about messiness in other episodes, but you get into that messiness. Like money is messy no matter what, especially if you're working from – you know, different positionalities because we, you know, we talk about positionality all the time. But like, you know, we have farmers who, like you said, and would say they're in extreme poverty. Then you have this organization that, you know, basically funnels money and resources into this organization, but has, you know, a privileged positionality in a, in a good way because it's recognizing privilege and using privilege to support folks to improve their lives in the way they see fit is a laudable thing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. You're using those privileges to push levers to, to make change. And like you said, there are people who take advantage of those privileges and then they just continue to get richer. 
or they continue to live a life that's like completely inaccessible to other people at the cost or expense at the cost and expense of the people who they're working with exactly so like that's the taking advantage of and so when you're talking about like this model and i was thinking you know we've both been here for a long time and like a cooperativa and like constructs like the iu and aini minta mika you know finest like the collaborative work of community development is like within the community epistemology mm-hmm. of quechua speaking communities i feel like a cooperativa is like probably the community knows has a better understanding of the ins and outs of that than than we do in many ways because we weren't kind of grown up that wasn't the water we were swimming in mm-hmm. so it's awesome that that's happening like that they have like the decision making power and you know and you all together collaboratively are, are doing that kind of work you know what is it that you're most nervous about now you know like you're talking about like the money you know we had action research is idealistic but then like when you start talking about the nitty-gritty it gets messy so what are you the most nervous about right now in terms of your project well it's an easy question nothing having to do with like the agriculture side of things like i'm completely confident in our expertise and being able to uh, help farmers in the field deal with the challenges that they're facing and increase their production and quality happy to invest in that. Mm-hmm. What I'm most nervous about is selling this coffee. <laughs> because we're making a commitment to buy it. Yeah. And that's part of the co-op model. Right. But, you know, when we're talking about 40,000 pounds of coffee, which is about a container's worth right. after it's been processed and everything, I mean, that's a substantial investment. So we have to buy that coffee. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? And once, right. you know, the farmers don't care what we do with it, right. that money's got to go to them. Right? Right. We're committed to that. Right. But, you know, last year, just to test the waters, mm-hmm. you know, we bought, I think it was 8,000 pounds of coffee. Mm-hmm. And we sold it. I wouldn't say it was easy. I wouldn't right. say it was hard. Mm-hmm. But we got rid of it. That allowed us to learn some hard lessons and, and recognize some of the, the challenges or barriers that we face in selling coffee, logistically more than anything. Mm-hmm. So there's the logistical side and then finding right. someone who actually wants to buy all that. Right. Coffee. You got like dozens and dozens. I mean, I remember when I was here in September and you had this like whole almacen just full of sacks of coffee. Yeah. And that's just like, how do you move all that? And that's, you know, that's out on the dirt road, right. you know, across the river. And like, yeah, how do you, yeah. how do you get that to... We're talking about moving five times that now. Right. Getting it on a boat, all Mm -hmm. the legal paperwork, you know, what's the deal with taxes, importers, exporters. So that's what I'm definitely most nervous about. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, we're we're going to the Specialty Coffee Expo in Boston. I was there Mm -hmm. last year in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to, like, make a name for ourselves in Mm -hmm. the industry. Because people buy that much coffee. People buy a lot more than that. Right. We're talking about trying to move one container this year, but that's kind of like peanuts compared to what some of like the major importers right. are, or exporters are moving. Yeah. You got like whole boats full of like yeah. dozens of containers yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, like all yeah. over the world. You know, it's yeah. going to Europe and mm-hmm. it's going to the Middle East, and it's you know, so right. I feel a little bit of pressure, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not like I sat here one day was like, hmm, I want to get into the coffee business, right? It right. kind of came through this whole like social yeah. endeavor, and all accidental. Of a I am with a little bit more pressure than. Mm-hmm. I would typically like to work under as far as like, what do I, what am I doing? Whoever's listening, if you know anybody that's looking to buy a container worth of coffee, hit me up. (laughs) How have you found yourself in the world of action research? Want to be interviewed or share one of your projects? Engage in interactive dialogue with Joe, Adam, and other experts and listeners in the community on Twitter at 
the underscore AR pod or the Action Research Podcast. You can subscribe to our podcast on most major podcast distribution platforms, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Action Research Podcast, created by Adam Stieglitz, Joe Levitan, Shikha DeWalker, and Vanessa Gold.